Welcome back, Richard. May first. It is May first. Welcome friend. to May. You know, um, and, and we are we are going to touch on a topic today straight out of the headlines. <laughs> yeah, we we often talk about psychology in the news. We have a hot one today. We do, and and it's not even you know we don't do a lot of uh, pop culture type stuff uh, on on our program, but uh, but we are going to kind of touch on some pop. pop culture stuff today because we're going to talk a little bit at least at the beginning of the podcast we're going to talk a little bit about the big uh trial uh the the defamation trial um of uh johnny depp and um his now ex-wife right um yes yeah they were divorced uh they were married in 2015 and divorced in i think 2016 it was a 15-month marriage yeah, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, and it's really been a a huge in the news uh, because of the, my goodness, the the stories that have been told about um, what has happened between the two of them, um, what he had allegedly done to her, and what she has allegedly done to him, right. and um, so yeah, so we thought we would talk a little bit about this because it it leads into some really important psychological things that we should review and kind of talk about again. Right. Yeah. Because the headlines are uh, Amber Heard has been diagnosed with these two personality disorders and that's hit the news. And I thought, well, let's take a closer look at that. And um, so it it stems from um, this trial, the defamation lawsuit, which you mentioned. Um, And there's some some serious money. There's some serious money here at stake. Um, Right. Johnny Depp is is suing her for fifty million dollars, right. um, because uh, alleging that, um, and what he's 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 saying is that her um, she wrote an article um, in uh, December in the Washington Post in December of 2019, alleging uh, abuse, and though right. he wasn't named in the article, it was obvious who she was talking about. So he. And, and as a result of that article, he was taken off the cast of Pirates of the Caribbean. Right. And in doing so, lost a considerable amount of income. That was a, that was a big franchise for him. So he's, he's saying, you cost me, your allegations, which his attorneys are saying are false, um, cost me this money. And um, this, this uh, has been tried once in, in the United Kingdom. There was a Johnny Depp sued the uh, Sun, a publication in England, uh, for the, over the same issue. Um, but this is a, because the laws are different in, in the UK and in the US, and because Amber Heard was not named in the UK lawsuit, um, the judge said that this trial uh, could proceed in the United States. Johnny Depp is suing her for $50 million. She is countersuing him for $100 million for uh, saying that she was defamed because his legal team referred to her claims as, as false and that this is all a big hoax. And so when I say serious money, yeah, that's some pretty serious money. I mean, yeah. So, and, and all of this is following their divorce from like 2015 or something. Right. So it, it's, um, this is ongoing. And um, but how this kind of ties back to our the topic that we talked about on our podcast is that um, Johnny Depp's um, legal team hired a forensic and clinical psychologist, uh, Shannon Curry, and um, she did an evaluation of uh, Amber Heard 
Mm-hmm. And in that diagnose and in that evaluation, diagnosed her with borderline personality disorder and histrionic personality disorder. Right. And my understanding is, is that she spent two eight hour sessions with her. Right. So she was she was with Amber Heard for a total of 16, more than 16 hours. Right. Yeah, that's that's what we have found in the reports. So that is much more time than most of us would ever have in in yeah. in, in, a, in a couple of settings in a couple of visits meeting with someone um you know we might have that amount of time over you know a year maybe right. um you know right. maybe uh, six months or so but um over a couple of visits that's a, that's a tremendous amount of time and um and again made those diagnoses and so as you said at the beginning of the podcast you know the headlines are saying that, you know, Amber Heard is diagnosed with borderline personality disorder and histrionic personality disorder. And so we thought that it would be important to kind of review. We've talked about personality disorders in the past, right. um, mm-hmm. but it's been a little while. And so we should talk a little bit about that. Right. Um, and especially those two, because uh, those are two heavy hitters when it comes to personality disorders. Those are, those are two very serious diagnoses. I mean, um, and she seems to have been very thorough, at least in the amount of time that she took. It seems to be a very thorough, thoughtful diagnostic workup. Um, and she ended up with these two diagnoses. Um, so what does this mean? What are, and so we thought, well, let's talk about the personality disorders. To talk about the disorders, you have to first of all talk about what personality is. You know, what do, what do we mean by personality? Absolutely. And essentially what we're talking about is it is, when I say, when we say it's a unique way of thinking, feeling, and behaving, Personality is what separates us from others. It, it separates us from other species. You know, we have certain characteristics as a species, but it also separates us from each other. What, what differentiates us from each other is how we think, feel, and behave. And that's what we call personality. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, mm-hmm. you know, we do see that in other species because you can see, you know, dogs have a sure. particular, you know, mm-hmm. temperament and everything. And, and temperament is an important word to use because that is sort of you know, we've talked often about um, nature versus nurture. Right. right. Um, and this debate on, you know, are, are you who you are because of your biology or are you who you are because of how you were raised and your experiences? And right. and personality is this wonderful combination of both because you know, we're all born with a temperament and that's sort of a biological piece of it. And, you know, you, you know, those of you who have children, you see some of those temperamental things from the very right. beginning, uh, very yeah. early on. And, and that sort of sets the stage. And then life experiences kind of guide you and lead you uh, mm-hmm. to going in different directions based upon that. And so, right. yeah, um, it, it's the way that you see and interpret and interact with your world, the thinking, feeling, and behaving. And, um, and it's influenced by different things sometimes, but we typically think that, you know, once a person gets through adolescence and into, you know, into adulthood, your, your personality becomes pretty stable. Um, some things that we can do early on in childhood and, you know, during, you know, Freud had that, um, you know, in his psychosexual stages of development, there was that latency period um, where it was like, this is sort of the last ditch hope <laughs> during this day. Right. As middle adolescent right. years, this is your last ditch hope to to make any substantive changes to your to what your personality is going to be. Because once once you get through that, um, it's it's pretty stable over time. And you make an important point there, in that um, 
we typically don't make these, these diagnoses in children and right. teens for that reason, right. that there's still some changing that could occur. And many teenagers look like they have personality disorders, but it's just normal teenage behavior. It's not pathological. Right. Yeah. It always makes me um, <clears throat> just shake my head and, and cringe a little bit when, you know, a, a person comes in and they're nine years old and they have a diagnosis of a personality disorder and it's like, oh, right. Um, or even the teenagers that we see, particularly in uh, detention centers, many of them end up with a personality disorder. Is it, it's a, it's a, it's a diagnosis that probably should be reserved for adults, except in very rare instances. Okay. Right. So that's what personality is stable over time. And it, it talks about our character. Okay. So what is a personality disorder? Well, if personality is about thinking, feeling, and behaving, then a personality disorder is thinking, feeling, and behaving that deviates from cultural expectations. And that's a really important point. Um, different cultures have different expectations. And so what is deviant in our culture might not be deviant in another culture. So we're talking about thinking, feeling, and behaving that deviates from cultural expectations. And also, and this is important, that causes distress or functional impairment. As a DSM diagnosis, we have to find out where the impairment is. We have to acknowledge, we have to establish that there's either distress or impairment. Distress would cause impairment, but there has to be some functional impairment. Right. Yeah. And the the, the newest edition of the DSM, the DSM-5, um, kind of shifts personality disorders just a little bit in the way that we have thought about it because it's it changes the, the multi-axial system of, of diagnoses. And so right. that's um, beyond the scope of this podcast today. But, mm -hmm. um, but there's four, what the DSM has done is it's, it's kind of categorized the different personality disorders into four classes or clusters. Um, the first cluster is, you know, mm -hmm. includes behaviors and, and characteristics that are, um, deal with thoughts. And so the thoughts are very rigid and extreme and distorted thinking patterns and things like that. And, um, and so there's a group of, of diagnoses in, in that um, category that focuses on those thoughts. <laughs> the second. Right. Oh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, sorry. This, the second is um, it focuses more on feelings and it's the, the problematic <laughs> emotional system, um, emotional responses to things. Um, and we call those, and we, we're, I'm calling them one, two, and three, or four, but it's cluster A, cluster B, cluster C, and cluster D. And so this is cluster B. And um, cluster B, this is where, um, you know, again, a lot of those um, uh, emotional responses to things, this is where that those fall. Mm-hmm. Cluster C is going to be impulse control um, things. And again, we're talking more than just like ADHD. We're talking about sort of a pervasive pattern that's, that's rooted in personality um, and rooted in the way that um, the, the way that they see the world and interact with the world. And then the final ones are significant interpersonal problems. Right. Um, so those are, you know, so when we think about these, these four, um, you know, and, and I, I think I was, trying to categorize those into the clusters. These are the four areas that when we think about personality disorders, these are the four areas that are affected. Again, thoughts, feelings, behaviors. Um, 
they roughly fall into some of these different clusters, some of the different clusters from the DSM. Um, but when we talk about personality disorders, these are the four areas, these are the four ways that we see personality um, negatively affected to the point of a personality disorder. That's right. So we think about these four areas of how we think, how we respond emotionally, how we relate to others, and if we can control our own behavior. Right. Okay, so those are the kind of the four broad areas that we look at with personality disorders. Okay. Right. And so what DSM does is they there are 10 personality disorders. And as you say, they're in three clusters. Okay. Right. So cluster A. Yeah. Cluster A is, um, you know, I was talking about thoughts and things like that before. And cluster A is, you know, very characteristic uh, by characterized um, by odd or eccentric or um, awkward, um, just social problems, um, eccentric thoughts and beliefs. And, and, and so in this cluster, we have diagnoses like paranoid personality disorder, um, right. what's called schizoid or, and schizotypal personality disorders. And so those are the three, paranoid, schizoid, and schizotypal. Um, and all of these are characterized by um, bizarre, delusional, sometimes beliefs, and it, it, it's sometimes sometimes people have a hard time appreciating the difference between these, like a paranoid personality dis disorder, from um, the paranoia that we see in schizophrenia, for example. Right. Mm -hmm. um, remember that we talked about personality as being stable over time, right? Mm -hmm. And so. With schizophrenia, you have episodes, you have psychotic episodes. And so you may be very paranoid during this episode. Um, with a paranoid personality disorder, it's stable over time. So it's like that all the time. It doesn't, right. doesn't go away. Um, it doesn't fade and kind of come in and go out. Um, right. It's there all the time. That's right. And these are these, are these odd eccentric behaviors. Um, Usually they're most apparent in social awkwardness and social withdrawal, um, but they're not the kind of psychotic disorders that we talk about with schizophrenia. Schizophrenia is a total lack, it's a total break with reality. We're not talking about that. We're talking about personality characteristics in people who are still functioning in the real world, but right. that's just very odd and eccentric behaviors. Yeah, and, and the, the schizoid and schizotypal personality disorders are, are fascinating because you do see a lot of social withdrawal with those. Um, again, as you said, they, they may, be involved in the world around them, but they don't have, they don't develop close relationships. It's not, right. it's not right. like autism spectrum where they seem to lack an awareness of that. Mm -hmm. It's just that they don't, they don't trust other people and they, right. they may have um, um, sort of uh, fantastical beliefs. And so they may be really into like horoscopes or um, different um, belief systems that, um, that may seem, as you said, sort of culturally unaccepted um, beliefs that are very eccentric and very um, extreme. Yeah, I had a, a young teenager come in one time and say, well, you know, I can, I can do Jedi mind tricks. You know, it was just when Star Wars first came out and uh, they were talking about Jedi mind tricks and this, this young man said, you know, I can do that. I can sit in my classroom and I can control what other people are thinking. And that's sort of this odd eccentric, uh, uh, belief in right. uh, what you can do. Right. And then there's cluster B. Now, cluster B is probably the most well-known, the most talked about 
of the three clusters. And, and it was Amber Heard was diagnosed with two of the cluster B um, personality disorders, uh, borderline and histrionic. These are, um, these are known mostly for the dramatic and highly emotional uh, behaviors and thinking. Um, and I'm gonna let you walk through, you, you explain cluster A, which is mm -hmm. this kind of odd relationships with other people. What about cluster B? Cluster, cluster B um, is, is also, also has some um, <clears throat> difficult social aspects to it. Um, but mm -hmm. the four of the, the diagnoses in uh, cluster B are borderline personality disorder, narcissistic personality disorder, histrionic personality disorder, and antisocial personality disorder. Right. Now, something we're going to talk about later is that, um, you know, these two of these diagnoses, borderline and histrionic, are very commonly diagnosed in women. Mm -hmm. um, the other two, uh, narcissistic and antisocial, are very often diagnosed in men. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so there, there are those traits. And so as we will talk about in a few minutes, um, that, that raises some controversy um, at times. But when you're thinking about these disorders, we're talking about, as you said, dramatic, emotional erratic, poorly, you know, you can't predict what's going to happen, especially with borderline uh, personality disorder, because it's, mm -hmm. it's sort of this combination of um, narcissism and um, emotional dysregulation. And uh, it's oftentimes misdiagnosed for by uh, borderline uh, is often misdiagnosed for bipolar disorder, because right. it's that same type of erratic a lot of times you will see um, it's characterized by this push and pull when it comes to relationships. And, um, you know, there's a lot of um, self-harming that's associated with borderline. So it's, it's a very, um, it, it's probably arguably one of the most difficult uh, diagnoses altogether, one of the right. most difficult diagnoses to, to work with and, and to manage behaviorally or medicinally or, or in any way clinically. Right. Yeah, one of the things that we typically associate with borderline is these very intense uh, relationships. They're intensely positive and then very quickly become intensely negative. I think one of my daughters would call it from goat to woat. Um, you're the great, you're the best thing that's ever happened to me. And within a week or two or a day or two, you're the worst person I've ever met. And so there's this fluctuating erratic um, relationship um, issues that, that arise with people with borderline personality disorder. It's the intensity and the erratic nature that, that really defines what a borderline personality disorder is. Absolutely. Um, I, I once worked with one who, with a person with uh, borderline personality and um, she um, quite literally um, met a person on a Saturday night at a party that she had never met before, uh, met him on a Saturday night, and the next weekend, the following weekend, they got married. Right. Um, so it's one of those, um, you know, yeah. you are, everything is thrown in, and like the person wasn't even a US citizen, it was, was over here just visiting family, and they got married and, and all of it. So it's that kind of jumping in, you know, certainly there's some questions about him um, being willing to do that as well. But, yeah. um, but 
you know, that's what you sometimes see with, with borderline personality disorder. Um, narcissistic, this one also is, is pretty um, difficult for a lot of people because a lot of people have narcissism. Let's just be honest. Um, and, and to be, you know, if we are, if we work to be very critical of the, of the term narcissism, um, anyone who is a business owner, um, anyone who every, any physician, any doctor, any psychologist, there, there has to be some level of narcissism built into them because, um, you know, I want you to come to me because I'm going to help you feel better. I'm going to help you resolve these issues. That means that I ha- I am able to do something that other people may not be able to do. Um, and, and that's there, there's a sense of elevated esteem that that has to come with that. Um, that is very different from narcissistic personality disorder. Narcissistic personality disorder is you no, know, I am the best, um, and people only do things because I'm allowing them to do things and I'm telling them what they need to do. It's, it's a very different level of control and, and sense of their, their person that um, much more so than what we see in, um, in a person who, who just is very confident and, and is, is forward that way, assertive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you have, the other one that's typically associated with women is histrionic, and we're going to talk. We're going to talk at in detail a little bit later about histrionic personality disorder, because that's one of the diagnoses that was that was made um, with Amber Heard, and so we want to sort of um, expand on that a little bit and explain because it, it's less well known. It's not. It's not not uh, talked about as much. Less well known. Absolutely. So, and so the final one is antisocial, and. Right. And, and there's a difference between people use the word antisocial quite often. And I'm, I'm finding more teenagers using the term antisocial. They don't, but when they're using it, they don't mean antisocial. They mean asocial, like they, they don't want to interact with other people. And so the absence of social um, is asocial. Um, antisocial is sort of, um, it, it's sort of like the adult version of a conduct disorder. Um, so these people are out with the intent to violate the rights of others. They are, um, they, they don't mind harming others. They don't have a, a sense of, um, uh, of re- regret, really. They don't have a sense of um, remorse when, when it comes to what they've done to other people or how they might, may have harmed other people. And right. so many times you'll see people who have, you know, extensive criminal histories and things like that. Oftentimes they will be diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder because, you know, they, they do these things, they harm other people um, physically or in other ways, right. and they seem to have no remorse or they don't feel bad about it in any way. Right. Yeah. And, you, and as you said, many people in prison are there because they have antisocial traits, um, right. antisocial behaviors. They hurt other people. They steal from other people. Um, they, they take things that don't belong to them. And those are antisocial personality traits. Right. And then cluster C is uh, what we call the anxious and fearful cluster. Right. And this one also has three. It's the the avoidant personality disorder, dependent personality disorder, and the obsessive compulsive personality disorder. And um, again, they're not as commonly diagnosed, um, Mm -hmm. but, you know, with these, there's still, there's a social aspect to like the avoidant personality disorder because they're Mm -hmm. avoiding um, relationships, but they also, 
avoid decision-making and they avoid, um, you know, taking steps to do things that they, that they need to do, um, which is closely tied to the dependent personality disorder where it's, um, this is where you find those people who, you know, again, they don't make any decisions. They, they need someone else to make the decision for them. They need someone else there with them to do everything. Um, much more so than a, a social anxiety or generalized anxiety disorder or something like that. This is, again, that pervasive all, all across the board um, need for somebody else to uh, make decisions and, and guide them through some of these things in their life. Yep. Um, go ahead. And the last is obsessive compulsive. And here again, we have to be careful because there's obsessive compulsive disorder and there's obsessive compulsive personality disorder. They're distinct, they're related, but they're distinct. Right, absolutely. And um, usually when it, we did a podcast, man, I don't even remember how long ago, uh, but it, this just popped in my head because that's one of the differences between that uh, obsessive compulsive personality disorder and obsessive compulsive disorder is, um, is awareness. Um, um, there, there's this idea that um, with obsessive compulsive disorder, the person knows that they're that they have these obsessions and compulsions, and, and they're many times they're distressed by them, they're they're frustrated by them, and they they can they they know how much time of their life is taken up by these obsessions and compulsions. With obsessive compulsive personality disorder, they're not necessarily aware that they have these tendencies. Um, and, and that's the, the thing with all of these personality disorders is that um, they, the people, who, people who, have, who have personality disorders aren't really aware that they have a personality disorder. They don't think that they see the world in any different way than anybody else, right. which is the case for all of our personalities, right? Yeah. Whether we have a personality disorder or, or not, the way that we see the world is the way that we kind of assume everybody else sees the world. Right. Um, and so when somebody does something that's way out of your own character, you think, why, why in the world would someone do that? Well, their personality um, may sort of guide them into that direction, whereas your personality doesn't. Right. Um, so when personality, when you have a personality disorder, they're part of the reason that they're so difficult to treat is because the person typically isn't aware that the person with borderline personality disorder that we're going to talk about next, mm -hmm. um, that person isn't aware that not at a decision level perspective that they are doing these things. Um, it's, it's just it's who they are. Mm -hmm. Right. Who they are. Um, 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 you know, it, it's most obvious with narcissistic personality disorder. Right. There's nothing wrong with me. Right. You know, I think everybody's like I am. You know, uh, I'm just better than everybody, but everybody's just like me. Right. Um, it's the difference between we, we talked before about um, in a podcast about ego dystonic versus ego syntonic. Right. Uh, and these these folks are ego syntonic. They don't know. They just think hey, this is everybody. Everybody thinks this way. Everybody sees the world this way. Right. Um, right. Whereas when you talk about some of the other disorders like obsessive compulsive disorder or um, even schizophrenia to some extent, the person knows, no, I think differently. This is different than what is typical. This is different than what other people experience. And this is a problem. Right. In fact, at the level of intervention, the first order of business when you're dealing with somebody with a personality disorder is to get them to acknowledge that there's a problem. Right. And that whether you're talking about cognitive behavioral therapy, 
dialectical behavioral therapy. You, uh, most of us have heard about dialectical behavioral therapy. And the first step is to get the person to acknowledge that, yeah, this is becoming a problem for me because initially they don't see it as a problem. It's just, this is just who I am. There's, right. not, there's not really a problem here, but there is really a problem here. And that's the first step is to get a person to acknowledge that there's distress or impairment. Absolutely. And then you can get on with therapy. Definitely. So as you mentioned um, a few minutes ago, Amber Heard was diagnosed with two of the cluster B personality disorders. She mm-hmm. was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder and histrionic. Right. And as we said, you know, as we were going through them, borderline is one of the most significant, one of the most challenging and difficult um, and diagnoses. Histrionic is a little bit less known, but, but, you know, also very challenging and very concerning if a person has that. But let's talk, let's talk a little bit about personality, a little bit more about borderline personality disorder. Right. Yeah. I guess the hallmark is fear of abandonment. Well, yeah. One of the, one of the important symptoms is fear of abandonment. There's right. this, this, this fear that people are going to leave you. And, um, and so you tend to develop these very unstable, very intense relationships to, to hang on to the, to make sure this person stays in your life. And yet you, the person engages in behaviors that pushes people out. There's, there's an erratic behavior, erratic thought patterns that you're on the one hand, keep trying to keep people close. And on the other hand, your behavior is pushing them away. Right. And, and, and as soon as the person feels like the other person is going away, they will either, they may either finish the job and just push them out and get rid of them like over, you know, you made the wrong kind of coffee this morning, or you, you know, it it could be over something really small, but um, it suddenly means that it's quite literally to the person may mean like, feel like it's the end of the world. Um, Or they will do things, something to try to pull them back. And so this is where you get into self-harm and they may say, they they may feel as though if you leave me, I'm going to really hurt myself or I may commit suicide or, or something like that. Um, and you, you get those kinds of um, what the other person may see as a threat, the person with the, with, with borderline truly feels that way. Right. Um, and they're really struggling with those, with those experiences and they truly mean it. And, and, you know, you, there's a significant risk of, of self-harm and, and, and suicide in, in this group of people. Um, but again, as you said, you know, it, it's those types of things that tends to push others away um, it makes it difficult for them to maintain healthy relationships. Right. And you mentioned the similarity between borderline personality disorder and bipolar disorder, because one of the characteristics, one of the, one of the symptoms of borderline personality disorder are these intense mood swings. Right. But they're usually mood swings in response to your relationships with other people. Right. You, you get, you know, you, you begin to suspect that somebody doesn't like you anymore or that they're working against you in some way. And then you have this intense, um, uh, these intense emotions that get expressed um, in, in inappropriate and intense anger, where you, you know, that this is the love of my life, but then in the next, something changes. And all of a sudden it's the worst, you're the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Right. It's and, that and intense I- shifting back and forth. Absolutely. And I think that it's um, I, I think that the vocabulary that the DSM uses is part of what creates such a problem with that, because it does. Re, it is referred to as a mood swing, but it, it's not the mood that's swinging. It's it's emotional 
Um, ability. It's emotional irregularity and dysregulation that the person is experiencing. It's, you know, this is where you get that everything is just fine. And then one thing is said, and all of a sudden, you know, it, we're, right. we're on this other way, other end of the spectrum. Um, but it's, the, it's those emotions that swing, not necessarily right. the mood per se. Right. And, and we also with with uh, bipolar disorder, you, you, there's a there's a pattern to it. There's a rhythm to it where you, there's a, um, intense arousal and then depression. So with this, it, it changes rapidly. And you might have a few cycles a year. With bipolar disorder, you could have cycles every day. I mean, you could have this mood, these with intense border, mood swings with, with borderline. Border, you have yeah. that daily. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, and again, just because you have emotional swings like that throughout the day doesn't necessarily mean you have borderline personality but um, it, it's it's one of those things that makes it difficult. And that's why we pointed out early on in the podcast today that, you know, the psychologist that did the evaluation with Amber Heard met with her for a long time, what, 16 hours, you said, um, you know, that's the type of time that's needed to really see some of these personality traits and to make sure that it's not just, um, you know, just not not just something that's happening or just something at that particular right. moment. Yeah, because you have to make sure that it's not bipolar disorder, that it's not some other uh, diagnosis, you know, and so you need to be careful when you're making a differential diagnosis. It takes time to gather enough information to make a reasonable diagnostic decision. Absolutely. So, because so, there is, there's always overlap, you know, that's one of the things we know about uh, psychiatric and psychological or anti-mental health disorder right. is we know that there's symptom overlap. And right. so the clinician's task, responsibility, the obligation is to uh, differentiate uh, one from the other. Okay. It's not easy. No, no. It's time. No. Um, but the so the second, second diagnosis she got was histrionic personality disorder. Yeah. And, and yeah. this one is... Um, also, uh, unstable emotions, um, distorted self-image. Um, you see a lot of um, a, a lot of anxiety, a lot of distress, a lot of intensity with this one as well. Um, but but it's also it, the the other side of it is that, or what makes it a little bit different than borderline is that you don't necessarily see the. Um, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be relationship dependent. Uh, these are, this is just sort of generally speaking, um, a histrionic person is, has that heavy tendency leaning towards that uh, unstable emotions and distorted self-image. And they can just, a lot of that can be brought upon by themselves. Right. Yeah. With, with borderline personality disorder, it's these intense, erratic, um, unstable relationships, you know, the, this, the relationship with other people. With histrionics, it's, I want to be the center of attention. Right. Um, I, I crave and I will do what I need to do. I'll do anything I have to do to be the center of your life or the center of attention for everybody. When they walk into a room, they want all the attention on them. When they're in a relationship, they want the other person to attend completely to them. We all do. We all want that. Right. But we don't have the intensity and the drive to seek it in all situations with all people. Right. Right. So, so again, whereas the, the borderline is tending, tending to respond to those, um, right. you know, if those interactions and those, those relationships aren't going the way that they want them to go or need them to go. Mm -hmm. That's where you see the borderline traits, the, the histrionic traits begin with the person themselves. This is what I need. 
Um, I need to be valued um, and the way that they're valued is through the way that other people treat them and interact. That's right. Yeah, they have no self, they don't have a strong ego. Right. Um, and uh, self-worth. So, yeah, they, they don't have a strong sense of self-worth and it all comes from other people telling them how wonderful they are. So they need, um, they need justification um, and they need um, to be validated by other people. But, but it's, a, it's an intense need to be validated and they will do everything they can to get that. And that's where they start to exceed cultural expectations is, right. is the behaviors that they engage in to get the attention that they crave. Right. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, you, you, when you, so when you combine these two, again, you have this really difficult combination of low self-esteem, um, you know, needing that validation and reassurance from others while at the same time, not being able to maintain those relationships with others, um, because of the borderline tendencies and, and becomes hostile and, and aggressive and, um, because of the fear of abandonment and all of that. And so this, this, combination is just suggests a lot of difficulties and I'm I'm sure um, was used to help explain some of the things that Amber Heard allegedly did to Johnny Depp in you know through this legal process things that have been heard things that we will not talk about on the podcast Um, but you know that those diagnoses help to explain why we see where we saw some of those behaviors you know you mentioned earlier that uh, borderline and histrionic personality disorders uh, typically um, are made with women, whereas antisocial and narcissistic made with men. Um, and, and, and the histrionic personality disorder, wanting to be the center of attention, um, brings to mind one man who might have had histrionic personality disorder. That was Theodore Roosevelt. And, and his daughter once said about him, he had to be the baby at every christening the bride at every wedding and the corpse at every funeral. He needed to have, he wanted to be the center of attention. And there, I guess one of the, I don't know, history channel or something is going to do a, um, a special on Theodore Roosevelt. That's one of the things they're going to talk about. And in one of the scenes, he steps off a train and throws his arms in the air and very dramatically says, here I am. And so that's sort of, you know, come and attend to me. Um, yeah. And so, Roosevelt may be one of those um, men. And I, I also discovered that he is an AMAB assigned male at birth, not to be confused with AFAB assigned female. So he's an assigned male at birth who might meet, might. I don't know because I never saw him as a patient, but he might, he has some of the characteristics of histrionic personality disorder. Right. And um, yeah, so again, we kind of talked about some of the the characteristics of, of histrionic, but um, like I said before, you know, this with histrionic, you tend to see um, extreme anxiety and depression and um, and those things, those symptoms drive that need for reassurance and everything from other people. Mm-hmm. Um the, the emotions seem, uh, at least to others, oftentimes to, to shift a little bit and to be pretty shallow because they will, mm. they will change. Um, you know, if, if they're given lots of attention and lots of focus, then everything is great. If they're not, then they got to do something to, um, and sometimes that may be a temper tantrum or something, but they'll do something. Um, but this is also where you see um, 
you know, sometimes people will associate histrionics with um, the way people dress, you know, That's right. if a person is dressing in a way to garner a lot of attention, um, you know, it's subjective, of course, because um, a person can dress however they want to dress. But if a person is dressing with the with the goal of I want to get attention from other people, so I'm going to wear these kinds of clothes, or I'm going to wear, you know, dress this way. Mm-hmm. Um, that that is something that sometimes you see with a person who's histrionic. Right. You know, we we talked earlier about um, making this di- making these diagnoses in teenagers, and you bring up an excellent point. Um, many teenagers will dress in a flamboyant way. Mm-hmm. They will dye their hair. They will cut their hair into strange. Um, structure, you know, um, um, uh, sculptures, you know, uh, of hair and of makeup and of clothes. But teenagers are by nature attention seeking. They they want to be, they want that attention. And so that sort of behavior in a teenager, we would consider normal. That's a cultural expectation. They're just doing what teenagers do. But if you're 35 or 40 and you work at IBM, you don't have a mohawk and you know, uh, body piercings and tattoos on your neck, uh, because that exceeds cultural expectations. Okay, so, so that's why it's tricky to make these diagnoses in adolescence, because many adolescents uh, have erratic behavior, they have erratic relationships, they have rapid mood swings. And those are the normal part of being an adolescent. So we have to be careful about making these diagnoses in teenagers. Uh, absolutely. And so, so, you know, nothing up about histrionic personality disorder, you, you get someone, um, you, you may have a person who is, um, you know, looking for that attention. So that could lead to being overly flirtatious and right. very charming. And, you know, um, they get a little too comfortable with people a little too fast. Um, again, seeking that reassurance, that, that, mm-hmm. uh, that uh, encouragement. And so when you, when you have, you know, kind of a, bringing these together is if you, if you have these diagnoses um, and you, you experience these types of behaviors and you're, you know, again, you don't necessarily know that it's any different than anybody else behaves, then you will do things that, um, that, you know, very clearly other people are having a problem with, but you don't even necessarily understand why the person is having a problem with it. Um, Richard, you and I, we, we talked to a person one time who, um, you know, she was engaging in some very erratic behavior, making some very unusual decisions. And at the time, she thought they were perfectly fine. Of course, this makes perfect sense. Why wouldn't I do this? Mm-hmm. Um, once removed from the situation, you sit down and you say, let's, let's talk about this. What do you think the other person might have seen or might have thought when you were doing this? Um, you say, oh, okay, maybe that wasn't such a good idea. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. Um, right. but, it, but it's really difficult to get the person to that point to where they can work through that um, because it's, it's, it requires a lot of introspection, a lot of um, insight. Right. Yeah, and these are people struggling with relationships and they have to understand that it is their thinking and behavior and emotions that are creating these interpersonal problems. So if they don't want to have these interpersonal problems, then they have to address those three things right. in, in the therapeutic setting. And they tend to think that those problems are caused by the other person. So yeah, exactly. So it's not, not anything I'm doing. It's, right. it's always the other that's creating the problem. Right. Now, the last thing we want to talk about is along with these diagnoses came another headline. 
And the headline was debunked psychological diagnoses of Amber Heard must be discounted, a prominent psychologist warns. And I thought, oh, this is interesting. So these are debunked. Now we have these diagnoses and this person is saying, we shouldn't even pay attention to these. And I thought, well, why not? What's, what's the deal here? And the deal is that um, there was an article published in The Independent based on an interview with Jessica Taylor. Um, she's a PhD. She was a senior lecturer in uh, forensic and criminological psychology at the University of Derby. So she's from the UK, probably followed the UK trial in 2020. So I'm sure she was involved in some way. But her area of expertise is the uh, pathology, um, the pathologizing of women in mental health settings. In other words, we tend to pathologize what might be normal female behavior, and it shouldn't be pathologized. And that, that's her, that's her, I don't want to say extra, that's her perspective, is that these kinds of diagnoses are usually applied to women, and um, perhaps we should rethink the application uh, or even pathologizing these kinds of behaviors, especially when they're applied to women. Right. So, so her, her, her concern is with the two diagnoses, borderline and narcissistic, or I'm sorry, borderline and histrionic personality disorders. Um, we see this though in lots of disorders. ADHD is primarily diagnosed in boys. Um, As we said before, antisocial and um, narcissistic is more often diagnosed in males. Depression is more often diagnosed in females. Um, So we we see that, um, but, you know, this um, Dr. Taylor is concerned about the overpathologizing of women. And she kind of pulls from history a little bit, because again, if we're honest, that has happened in the past where women have been much more likely to be diagnosed with certain things, um, especially things related to emotional regulation and emotional expression. Um, and, and they've been much more likely over the years to be diagnosed with these disorders than, than men. That's right. Two of the, two of the complaints that she, her, her primary complaints are that, and I'm quoting here, that these are not proven medical conditions. That was one of the things she said. And also they're highly contested and controversial labels, okay? Well, as you said, you can say that about many of these things. I don't know what she means by proven medical conditions because is depression a proven, is anxiety a proven medical condition? Is sub, you know, I don't know what she means by proven. you don't prove these things. There are no lab tests, but there are no lab tests. There are no, there are no diagnostic tests for any of these, the DSM-4 uh, labels, if, if you want to call them labels. They're, we don't have tests for these things. They are all clinical diagnoses. They're clinical judgments that people make. So, but the larger issue is the gender bias that she talks about, because what, what the point that she's making is histrionic personality disorder was simply renaming hysteria. And hysteria was a diagnosis used exclusively with women. It comes from hysterectomy. Um, And so it's a a diagnosis made 
reserved exclusively for women in the initial version of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. And she said it was simply a name change to histrionic personality disorder, but it tried to capture the same uh, gender. It, it, was, it was still pandering to the same gender bias. Right. Yeah. And um, I, I think that it's, it's difficult because, you know, you certainly appreciate, like, I certainly appreciate what she's saying. And, yeah. I, and I think to a large extent, you can see how that's happened. You can see right. that that's true. And in, in, in a lot of ways, um, in, in a lot of settings, mm -hmm. um, it's very true. Um, I, I think that one challenge to it, though, is what we began this whole discussion with. And that is, we're not just talking about the presence of these behaviors. Right. We're talking about these the presence of these behaviors within the context of causing a lot of pr problems and impairment in functioning, uh, you know, dysfunction and distress caused by these mm -hmm. symptoms, you know, just because a person, um, <clears throat> you know, just because a man or a woman, it doesn't necessarily matter which, um, has some of these characteristics, wants a lot of attention and wants to, you know, oh. sort of thrives off the other people that way. Just because a person has those symptoms doesn't mean that they have histrionic personality disorder. It just means sure. they that's part of who they are. Yeah. Um, it's not a personality disorder until it meets those impairment criteria. Right. Um, and, and that, I think, differentiates it. Mm -hmm. uh, again, you know, I think it's a very valid point that people, clinicians, sometimes make these diagnoses without fully considering those other aspects of the diagnoses. Right. Um, absolutely. I completely agree with that. And, and we, for that reason, we see a lot of overdiagnosis of a lot of different things. Just because a boy misbehaves in class doesn't mean he has ADHD. That's right. Um, so there, there's lots of people who have some of these characteristics who aren't necessarily um, really suffering from or experiencing person a personality disorder, but they may get that diagnosis. And so I, right. I appreciate that from the overdiagnosis perspective. Right. And just because a person meets criteria, diagnostic criteria for a disorder, if there's no impairment, you don't right. make the diagnosis. I mean, right. and we know that about these things. But in, so the question with in this trial is, is there some impairment? You know, and that, that's what they're going to. And so one psychologist is saying, yes, there's impairment. And these are the reasons. And the other psychologist might be saying, no, there is no impairment. Right. Or she might Maybe she's saying these diagnoses aren't appropriate, but, right. but the issue comes down to impairment. Right. right. And I think that that's the big thing that has to be considered. Um, there, there's this thing called the, uh, the Goldwater. Um, yeah, the Goldwater rule. The Goldwater rule. And that is that from a, from a mental health perspective, at least, um, psychologists, psychiatrists, we're not supposed to make a diagnosis of someone that we haven't evaluated. Right. Um, and so sure you know, the Dr. Um, uh, Dr. Taylor may have a problem with, with those diagnoses and, and the frequency with which they're, they're made and, and with whom they're made. Um, but that doesn't necessarily, and I don't know that it should necessarily um, be discounted um, because, you know, Amanda Heard was diagnosed with him after someone spent 16 hours with her right. doing a thorough evaluation. Mm -hmm. That person spent time and did the evaluation of uh, Ms. Heard uh, Dr. Taylor didn't. And so, you know, yes, I think it's a very important and critical that we question diagnoses and that we, we make sure that diagnoses are made with integrity and are made appropriately. Um, 
and with adequate information and, and, and experience. Um, but just because diagnoses are misused doesn't mean that we should completely discount what they what they're representing. If that's that makes right. Sense. And Taylor is not. I don't think she's speaking to. Does Amber Heard have some problem? Does right. she have some impairment? She's taking issue with the classification system. And right. what she's saying is there's something wrong with the classification system. Right. She's not talking about, but you're right. If you don't see a person, I remember when, when, when uh, Donald Trump was elected president, there was this flurry of, a, oh, is he a narcissist or does, does right. he have some of that? And, and in our field, we agreed back in the 60s that we wouldn't make a diagnosis unless we did the examination ourselves, which is, a, a, I think, a, probably a good thing. You might think that a person has something, but you can't make a diagnosis right. unless you spend time with that person. Right. So, so that part's good. But, but we see the controversy with, and, and I think we could see this controversy with any DSM diagnosis. Right. I mean, certainly there are people who can who continue to think that ADHD is a myth, that it doesn't really exist. Right. Okay? And I think we could say that for, for any of the DSM diagnoses. Right. No, absolutely. I, I think that, um, you know, we're, we're going to have to do a podcast, I think, uh, very soon on, um, on the prevalence of, of autism spectrum disorder. Um, I mean, if, if, in my opinion, if you want to talk about a disorder that's overly diagnosed, um, you know, if you're thinking about true autism spectrum disorder, um, what are we at? Like one in 50, one in 52 kids or something? Yes, right. Um, that would have yeah, more. Yeah, it's more than that. So that, that you know, we have to really question what we're talking about. You know, just because a kid is socially awkward doesn't mean that they meet criteria for autism spectrum disorder, but yet we see that. Um, so, um, so a lot of our mental health diagnoses are overdiagnosed a lot. And, and part of that is because poor clinician training or just insurance, you have to diagnose something to get re reimbursed from insurance. Um, there's lots of other, re lots of reasons that it's happening. Um, these two diagnoses, borderline personality disorder and narcissistic personality disorder are overly diagnosed at times, especially overly diagnosed in women. And that needs to be addressed in, in, mm -hmm. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the disorders don't exist and that a That's particular right. person may not be experiencing those those symptoms. I think you put you 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 put your finger on the issue. It doesn't mean that they don't exist. Right. Okay? We need to be careful, we need to be thoughtful. But but just because there is this history that is related to women doesn't mean that these that these disorders don't exist because there are people struggling with these issues. They are struggling, significant struggles with relationships and, it, and they, need to be, uh, they need to be addressed. Right. Maybe these are the wrong names, but it doesn't, it doesn't nullify the, the diagnosis or the, or the concern that we have for people who are struggling with these things. Yeah, yeah. And just as a, a final quick example, I think we once talked about narcissistic personality disorder and we talked about that there's two types of narcissistic personality disorder. And there's the one that is narcissistic, but overly assertive. And they, you know, um, but then there's another type of narcissistic personality disorder. That's sort of a facade, you know, they're narcissistic on the external, but they're uh, very yeah. fragile. Right. That, that person probably has 
would should technically probably be diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder and histrionic personality disorder because they need that reassurance from other people because without it they crumble um you know as soon as something doesn't work out the way that they need it to um or somebody doesn't give them the attention or accolade that they need they they crumble and fall apart well that's what we're talking about with histrionic personality disorder. yeah and and so you see the relationship between histrionic and dependent right you know, yeah there's a you know, I, I didn't get what I wanted and I fall apart. Right. Apart, right? Absolutely. So I do whatever I have to do to get it back. You know, right. so, so yes, there's overlap and interaction, um, but, but I don't think it negates the existence right. of some things, right? right? You just have to get better at making you have, to, you have to be good at what you do. That's right. Um, that, that's, that's the important um, issue here. So when we talk about personality disorders, um, we make these, diagnoses, one of 10, we said there are 10 personality disorders, when a person's thoughts, emotions, or behavior exceeds social norms and is present across time. It's not occasional, it's who you are as a person. Um, it's how we think about ourselves and others, it's how we respond emotionally, mm -hmm. it's how we relate to other people, and whether and how we can how we control our own behavior. So there's these four issues, okay? Yeah, absolutely. So, and the other thing is, um, people often ask, there are no medications right. for these. These are characterological, um, characterological disorders. Um, and so there's no medication for this. If a person has a volatile temper, they have anger outbursts, you can medicate an anger outburst. You, you can't medicate a personality disorder. It is who the person is. And you can't change a personality with medication. Absolutely. Nevertheless, there are treatments, but those treatments begin if the person acknowledges right. that there's a problem. That's where the treatment begins. Right. Yeah, that's this brings me to our friend Sigmund Freud. His birthday <laughs> is this week. Yeah. Yeah, May 6th. He was All born right. May 6th, 1856. So this, I, what is that, Friday? Yes. Yeah. Six is Friday. Yeah. So that's a uh, birthday of Sigmund Freud. And Freud said, he famously said, the only person he couldn't treat was a narcissist. And he said, because a narcissist, for a narcissist, there's nothing wrong with me. Right. Okay. So if if you begin with that, that there's nothing wrong with me, then you, you can't change anything. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, these clinical diagnoses require um, clinical treatment and that clinical treatment can only begin when there's some awareness, some insight that there's something that needs to be treated. Yeah. Somebody has to come in and says, I, I think I have a problem. You know? yeah. And that's the beginning of the process. Absolutely. All yeah. right. Well, that's it for today. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and forget to be afraid. Mm -hmm.